You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gastro Enteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. As always, I'm with Dan Volpone, and for the first time ever in the world, I'm also with Emily Cannell. Emily, how are you? How is everything going? Everything is great. I'm back. I missed you guys. Um, I was still talking to you a lot about my anger over ESPN broadcast and Jalen Hurts' rental situation. But other than that, I'm happy to be back with the public again. We're so happy to have you back. Um, the last locker room we did was Dan and I uh, watching you get married. Um, I loved it so much. I listened to it. It was great. It was the best locker room we've done, I think. Um, I think we both had a great time uh, watching it. And it was, it you know, from what we could see, it looked pretty amazing. Um, you know, you obviously don't have to go into it too much, but did you have a great time? Um, was it, you know, a wonderful weekend? It was, it was a great weekend. It was everything we could have wanted. It was small and safe and very nice. So we're very happy. All right. Great. Well, congratulations to you and, and Jordy and, um, we're, we're thrilled and, uh, we're also thrilled to have you back with us. Uh, we missed you very much. Missed you guys too. All right, Dan, Emily, we have Sixers stuff. The, this week they played the Mavericks and uh, beat the Mavericks fairly easily on uh, Monday. And then yesterday was the big showdown with the Brooklyn Nets. And then uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, James Harden has continued to be out with an injury. And Kevin Durant had to, they ended up playing on Tuesday rather than Monday. So that uh, it was a back-to-back. Durant didn't play. Only Kyrie Irving played. The Sixers won. They really sixered it up at the end um, and, and made it nice and close. Um, but what were your – I want to hear your main takeaways uh, from, from mainly the Nets game um, uh, about where you think the Sixers stand and what, if anything, you were able to take away from that game. Um, I want to start with Emily. Go ahead. Um, outside of the fact that I never want to watch games on national broadcasts ever in my life, um, I took away that I tweeted this out last night that, yeah, the Sixers have some problems that they need to fix and the Nets are an offensive juggernaut. But I really do think that seeing Joel against them just goes to show that they don't have an answer for him. Um, Aldridge retired today due to some health issues. DeAndre Jordan could not stop Joel last night. Blake Griffin is not going to stop Joel. Um, 
And so that will be, I think, the biggest part of any potential future playoff matchup is if other people can step up enough that Joel doesn't have to carry four games by himself because that's a tall task. But I think he could probably carry two and a half by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if people can just step up for a little bit, we get like a Tobias game, like maybe we get a Danny Green game. Like I I think there's a chance. I don't think it's like a done deal that the Nets are going to wipe us off the face of the earth. I agree with you. Um, I had the Liberty Ballers account last night hold for applause. And uh, one thing that I brought up is that, you know, the Nets are out. Obviously, they're they're two, you know, giant guys. And um, there's uh, there's no way around that. And, and so it's really hard to take much away from the game. But it's not like one of the people sitting out was like the Embiid stopper that we're worried about or, you know, a great defensive center that, that uh, you know, the Nets are going to be playing. Honestly... I think that Nick Claxton, first of all, is a dreamboat, but also is probably their best big man defender and he's switchable. And um, so, yeah, I thought that you, you could definitely pay attention to the the Joel Embiid versus the Nets portion of it. Um, and, you know, it's not like when Harden and Durant are back, they'll really be helping a lot with the post defense, you know, because they're not particularly accomplished off ball defenders. Um so, yeah, I, another thing that I took away is that the stars that the Nets have, you know, Kyrie and Durant and Harden, are the kinds of great scorers that you can play such great defense on them, and it sort of won't matter sometimes. Um, I do think the Sixers can single cover them more often than not, which is important. Um, but, you know, Kyrie got, I think he had 37 last night, and I thought Simmons and Matisse basically played really well on them. So uh, that those things uh, stick out to me, Dan. What about you, buddy? What what stuck out to you um, when you were watching that game, if anything? Um, I mean, I I I think that you know it's hard to take a ton away from this game. A few things, you know, I, they're not. I don't want to act like you know these are extremely important things or that they won't change. You know, I I, I don't want to overreact to just one little game. I thought that you know Kyrie was basically unguardable. Um, which was frustrating uh, a little bit, especially because, you know, we had either ben or, Matisse, ben or Matisse on him basically the whole time. Ben won't guard him in the playoffs, or, you know, at least not primarily, I think. Yeah. You know, I've talked about I prefer to have Ben on Harden. But, you know, Matisse, you know, the hope is that he can stick with Kyrie. Uh, it, it didn't – I mean, Kyrie's just so tough. It's not either of their faults. They're, they play good defense. Um, but he's just really, really good and – um, one thing that worried me a little at the end, not, I mean, the comeback is like, whatever, you know, classic Sixers, very frustrating, but the big thing was that, you know, Joel was getting doubled and he was getting doubled hard. Um, and the Sixers offense kind of completely fell apart. I think they scored their last basket of the game with like eight and a half minutes left. And they, they really limped past the finish line to end the game. Um, that said, um, there's not a ton you can take away from this game. I I will take the win. Obviously, I think you know this puts us in great position to have home court, which is awesome. Uh, it's frustrating we haven't got to see the Sixers play the Nets with either team at full strength yet this year, but it is what it is. Um, I'd rather have home court, and I'm not going to complain about it too much. Um, and then Harrison actually just said in the chat, shout out to Colangelo for giving the Nets. Claxton, yes, uh, Claxton was taken with the pick that the Sixers <laughs> traded for um, 
Trevor Booker in the so Jaleel. yeah they traded that pick with Jaleel Okafor for Booker is that how it works? Who played like what like twelve games on the Sixers? Like he was barely on the team. Yes, correct. It was a rental for not even half a season. Horrible. Not great. Um, the uh, the end of the game stuff is interesting because yeah, the Sixers I think extended the lead to like eighteen or something in the fourth quarter. Shake Milton had a run of like seven points by himself in the in the fourth quarter. Tobias started out that quarter with the bench unit and they were playing well. And then it just sort of got away from him. The Nets started hitting a bunch of shots. You, you know, especially when like the Nets third stringers came in. Harrison also mentioned in the chat, you know, Alize Johnson. Um the way it read to me, and and it, correct me if, if this is off, but the way it read to me was that, like, the Sixers starters thought they were done. Like, I think they were already kicking their feet up and, like, totally unprepared to go back in the game. All of a sudden, they're only up by three or whatever it was, you know, maybe five. I thought they were done. <laughs> I thought they were done. You know, and Bede mentioned after the game that the last few games, he's been able to sit out the fourth quarters for most of them entirely. And it looks like that's what they totally were planning on. So uh, to me, I, yes, the, the Nets were doubling him like crazy. And the Sixers were, for some reason, having Ben Simmons enter the ball to him in that situation when it was Simmons' man who was doubling up on Joel. Uh, but They basically I, learned, what, like four years ago that that doesn't work well and they should have a shooter do it? Especially when somebody's sagging that far. You know, a lot of, a lot right. of wings that stay on Simmons will not do that. But if a big is on Simmons... They'll they'll pretty much stay around the free throw line if anything. I, um, I mean, they've done it all year. Give the ball to Curry or Green, have Simmons cut and get it into Embiid. I don't know why that didn't happen. I, I think they just look completely discombobulated to come back into the game at that point, and they end up winning with sort of a whimper. Um, you know, again in the grand scheme of things, the Sixers now effectively have a two game lead over Brooklyn because they're up one game, um, and they are uh, and they have the tiebreaker. So. I feel fine about it. I think that, you know, George Hill is really going to matter whenever he plays for us. Um, I think that, you know, the way that he can do many different things on the court that the Sixers could use will matter. And maybe he's the crunch time ball handler. Maybe he, you know, jumps into the starting lineup in the right matchup. Who knows? Um, Emily, were you concerned at all, you know, projecting forward about the end of the game stuff, like the way it got back so tight or the way it was, uh, you know, the Nets were doubling Joel? The doubling of Joel was like a little bit concerning, but I think it's kind of fine because I, I think Joel even said in his post game interview, like he was like, like you said, like I haven't played in the fourth quarter and we kind I thought that was going to happen again today. Like mm-hmm. they just weren't ready to play. Um, and I guess once you start to like cool down, you know, they're not like hopping on the bike to stay warm. They're just kind of like checked out a little bit. I it's I'm sure it's hard to get back up to that level of like, competitive intensity especially when the Nets like didn't put Kyrie back in and just let their their bench right. kind of like attack Joel however they wanted um but I just I just I personally think that in the playoffs we're not no one's gonna take their foot off the gas because it's the playoffs and I am trying I think I like to look at it as when we were up like 19 points, like that's the kind of things that we can do to the nets if we don't take our foot off the gas. And hopefully, you know, they watch that tape and do that and not what they did at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, the nets are just going to be so incredibly difficult to defend. Um, With that being said, there, there probably isn't another team in the league better set up to try to defend them than the Sixers with the, with the personnel that they have. 
Um, and it seems pretty clear that the Sixers can score on Brooklyn. Brooklyn is not a good defensive team. And I think uh, Derek Bodner of The Athletic recently mentioned that, like, they're also a terrible team, like, doubling and then rotating right. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways you can exploit it. And at some point, it's really going to be a shootout with them. Um, I, I came away similar to how you did, Emily, just that, like, I don't think the Sixers would be a doormat to Brooklyn, given the way that their core players have played recently and the way that they're set up and, and mainly on, honestly, the season that Joel is having, um, I wouldn't blame anybody for picking the nets in that series. I, you know, I don't know about that. Um, all of that I think would be incredibly difficult, but I just don't think that it would be uh, sort of that it would go without saying that the nets would sort of roll the Sixers. Dan, where are you at with that? Um, obviously we, we weren't able to see these Sixers against the nets at full strength and, um, it's it's just one of those things that we're either going to get this series or we're not. And if we do, it'll be seeing it for the first time. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think my thoughts have changed a ton. I don't think I agree. The Sixers are not, you know, any kind of team that they can look past. And if they play them, it'll be, at this point, it looks like it'll definitely be a conference finals matchup if it happens. So, um, I mean, at that point, you can't look past anyone anyway. But I don't think that I would look at this series as, a sure thing. I think there's a lot of uncertainty, um, especially, you know, obviously the Sixers have had a very good year, but more than anything, um, just the fact that the Nets haven't played together, um, Mm -hmm. seven games with their big three together. So I don't think that that's something that is unbeatable. There's a ton that could go wrong. Um, I'm not saying it will. I I would, if, you know, if we were picking the series right now and everyone was healthy, which again, they're not, things could happen on either side there as well. Um, but you know, if everyone's healthy and picking at this point, yeah, I'd probably say Nets in five or six, but that doesn't mean that I would be shocked if the Sixers ended up winning in like seven, um, because that's kind of the nature of these things. And the Sixers have, have, you know, struggled in the playoffs. They've had big pieces struggle in the playoffs, whether it's, you know, Ben really struggled against Toronto or Tobias has just kind of been horrible in all of the series. Doc has struggled lately, but that doesn't mean that can't change. I mean, people figure things out. And um, especially, you know, Tobias looks more confident this year. Ben's getting older. So I I think there is reason for confidence that the Sixers could, at the very least, give them their money's worth. Yeah. Um, Dan, uh, quickly, like you mentioned that Brooklyn basically will not have played together as, as a team uh, for more than, what is it, most optimistically, maybe 15 games or so. Um, what would, how much of a factor would you predict that to be? There are teams where, uh, it doesn't matter because the talent is too much and maybe that's probably the safe money. And then there are teams like the Clippers of last year who very rarely played together, came into the bubble and sort of looked like they didn't know how to play with one another. And when things got really tough, they, they, they couldn't pull it together. So which of those would you think is more likely, uh, in the end? Yeah, I mean, I, I predict they're able to get it together. I mean, it's, it's especially assuming I think they're going to be able to play, you know, the first couple of playoff series together. Um, if they're the two seed, they'll have played a really tough series against the Bucks if they end up winning that and getting to the Sixers. Um, so that'll be helpful. But either way, I think that this is, you know, not like some other cases where, where teams had a lot of talent, but, you know, they didn't really have time to click or maybe they just didn't click. Um, you know, You know, Ben made the comment, the other day um, where it was like, Oh, there's only one ball. And that was obviously, (laughs) 
and they have these, you know, three great scores is basically the implication, but you know, they can't all score at once. Right. Um, I tend to, to disagree with that being an issue just because um, I don't view this, this big three that the Nets have as being three great scores, which obviously they are, but I think that that is kind of simplifying what they do. Um, and it really doesn't give credit to what they do. I think they're three great all around offensive players. Uh, all three to some degree, especially Harden, can really set up the other guys. Kyrie's a good passer, too. They can all score. They can all move without the ball. Harden and Durant, when they were playing together, you know, before the injuries, looked phenomenal. I mean, that was when Harden was putting up, like, 15, 17 assists in some of these games, just setting up Durant. So I think that it's not an issue of one ball because it doesn't really – it's not like they're just, you know, running ISO and everyone stands to the side and it's like just which one of them's taking the shot and they're not helping each other. I think that – you know, they're so talented that they will probably be quickly comfortable playing together and they're they're making each other better. They're not taking turns. You know, when I saw that quote, uh, this is like right after the Mavericks game. First of all, it's right after the Mavericks game. Doc Rivers is talking to the media and they go, well, Doc, what do you think? You got Sixers Nets Wednesday night. And Doc goes, I didn't even know that was happening on Wednesday. I honestly right. have no idea. I I just had no clue. I, how would I possibly know what the next game is after tonight? I, I mean, somebody told me on the way in here. Great. How, are Brooklyn is Brooklyn good this year? I don't even. I don't even pay attention to that stuff. It's like, Doc, you can say that you you know that the Nets are like the team you're fighting for the one seed, and that playing them is not a small I'd be deal. I'd if then, you didn't know our schedule in the next game, regardless. Like, if it could have been the the Pelicans, and I'd be like, why doesn't he know who we're playing? <laughs> it's really good. And then. Ben Simmons goes, there's only one ball and you got to play defense too. I was like, who are you, my dad? Like, what a take. I love this guy. He's like, he sounds just like any of my relatives that live outside Philadelphia that would talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I love it. Uh, I literally Emily. was like, I didn't know Ben Simmons was friends with my dad on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I am certain that my dad posted that when they traded for James Harden. Like 100. 100%. I will find the screenshot. If my dad knew how to access the internet, he would also post that. <laughs> um, uh, Emily, I want to know, in terms of the Nets, uh, you know, small time playing together and, and not much time to gel, like, what do you predict? Do you think that eventually they will be as good as, you know, a team with those three guys will be? Or do you think that uh, their sort of relative newness will be, will contribute to their undoing in the playoffs? Um. I think in my head, I think they'll be fine, but my heart wants them to just unravel in an ungodly, like, fashion oh, that yeah. it will just be so enjoyable to watch. Well, that um, would be. It would be so fun just to watch them, like, fall apart, like, have, like, James Harden yelling at Kevin Durant on the bench, like, the Warriors <laughs> that one year. Like, I want that so bad. But and like Kevin Durant is getting fiery on Twitter, so like I don't think he's gonna take shit from anyone. So that could be fun. I don't know. I, I mean, I'll go with my head for now. But I, my heart like really wants to win out on this one. Yeah, I mean, me too. So so Harrison again put in the chat uh, that he's rooting for Giannis to upset the Nets in the second round. Uh, the real benefit to me of of winning the one seed, of course, you're you have home court advantage in every. Eastern Conference series, but also what you get is to avoid both Brooklyn and Milwaukee until a potential Eastern Conference final if you make it there. Um, and I think that would be great. I mean, not having to get through Milwaukee, who, you know, I, I would be confident 
in the Sixers' chances in that series. But still, if we could avoid him, I'd love to do that because Giannis is that good and because, you know, the system over there is uh, is what it is. Um, what do you think about the chances that Milwaukee would have against Brooklyn? It's sort of, you know, Milwaukee is a pretty homegrown team and, and you know, ingrained and they're much, many of the pieces except for Drew Holiday have been together a while. Um, I, I personally would put would pick uh, Brooklyn in that series. Um, but I don't think that it's nothing. And, and also it would take Giannis, you know, reversing his recent postseason fate. Um, but, but if they could take them to six or seven games, I think that that would help the Sixers, you know, again, the Sixers would have to get to the Eastern Conference Finals anyway. But I think that that would be a big help uh, to just have them go through a tough sort of dragged out series. Emily, do you think Milwaukee would stand much of a chance against Brooklyn? Um, I don't, I mean, Milwaukee kind of just like flames out in the playoffs every year anyways. Like they never can really perform up to expectations. So that part of me wants to say, like, I don't really think they, they can. Um, but like if, if we have a chance of not facing Brooklyn in the Eastern conference finals, like Milwaukee is probably the answer. And I would rather face Milwaukee. I've said a million times that they don't scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, why should they scare Brooklyn though? You know? Yeah. So, so Dan, I want to ask you not only this, like what, what sort of chance do you think Milwaukee would have against Brooklyn, but also, uh, if not the Nets and Milwaukee, is there another Eastern conference team that you don't want to see in the playoffs if you're the Sixers? Yeah. I mean, I guess to answer the first question, I think it would be an interesting series. Um, a lot of the stuff we talk about where it's like, oh, you know, Brooklyn doesn't have anyone for Embiid. Could that be enough for the Sixers? It's kind of true for Giannis. Um, Giannis is a lot bigger than than Durant, just, you know, not necessarily height-wise. but Yeah, who would they even put on him? Big guy. Well, yeah. that's the question that most teams ask themselves all the time anyway. Right. Um, and, yeah, he struggled in the playoffs. And, 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 yeah, I would obviously pick Brooklyn in that series. But there's – you know, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. He could still get it together. Um, if Middleton gets hot and, and you know, Holiday is able to, to lock down one of their big three, um, then you're, you're kind of giving yourself a chance. But that's so many ifs. I mean, yeah. I, I hate to give no one a shot. And, and I'm glad that we're not seeing Milwaukee. I think they're tough. And, and it would be a real tough series with us. Um, but I, 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 would be, I would be surprised if they beat Brooklyn probably more so than I would be if the Sixers beat Brooklyn, I would say. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd give them like a, a 20% chance just by nature of things. And that's, you know, not even taking into account like guys could get hurt and Brooklyn has had more guys hurt this year. Um, but I guess on the second question, yeah, besides those two, which it seems like if things go well for us, we'll see one of them. I, I don't want to face the Heat. Um yeah, they've. I know they. They just kind of got killed by the Suns, um, and I think they lost. They lost back to back games because they just lost to the Nuggets last night by pretty mm-hmm. big as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they're not playing great, but you know, that has a lot of you know, revenge. Revenge series for Jimmy. It's. Um, I think you know Jimmy's been playing really well this year since he came back from missing games early, and they've been obviously much better with him. They really turned it around after a dreadful start when he was out. Um, they're they're not, you know, 
they're not a team that I'm like terrified of. I mean, they're 28 and 27. They're in the seventh seed, but I do think they have a lot of shooters. They've gotten hot in the playoffs before. They obviously they were in the finals last year. Um, they're, they're probably the next team I don't want to face, but a pretty significant bump below the other two. Yeah. Um, it's funny. The, the heat, I think every number is telling us that the heat are just not that good this year. Um, they had a really bad uh, rash of like COVID, either health and safety health and safety protocols, or Jimmy, I believe, contracted it, and you know, so they've had a weird season in that way. But even when they've been healthy, they have not been good. Um, but for me, it's like it, it, the question basically becomes: Would you rather face Boston or Miami? And for me, I'd rather face Boston because we've seen the Sixers play them three times this year and really have their way with them each time. Um, and also, just from a vindictive standpoint, I would love to get even with them um, after some ugliness in the playoffs recently. Uh, Emily, are you are you in the same mindset, really, that, you know, if not Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee, then next up for you would be Miami to avoid? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just considering what they did in the bubble last year. I know it was like bubble basketball, but they really... I felt like it was a team that could take things to another level and, you know, all the stuff, like you said, that we know about Jimmy. Um, I don't really want to see him in the playoffs. I don't want to give him the opportunity to like screw us in the playoffs. Um, Just give me the Celtics and give me taco fall on Joel Embiid for four games. (laughs) And like, let's call it a series. That would be great. Yeah. I wanted to get uh, your reactions to a quote from Joel from after the game, uh, talking about the fans, the Philly fans. Emily, you weren't there last night. Do you know when you're going back? No, I don't have any any plans to go back at the moment. That not that I'm not like, going to. I just don't have any tickets. It sounds like a hint to the Sixers to throw you some tickets. That would be great. I They'd never send me a wedding present, so I'm just waiting for that. You know. I'll talk to PR. Um, <laughs> so Joel Embiid on the fans, obviously the Sixers still have a limited capacity of fans at the, at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, he said... When you play in Philly, they're going to push you. In Philly, that's played a huge role in how dominant we've been at home. You don't want to get booed. Whether they're booing or they're cheering, I know it's for the right reasons. Um, Obviously, maybe a part of this is pandering. Whatever it is, I buy it. Um, Emily, do you think that how big a part of the Sixers are always great at home? And actually, this year, they've been relatively very good on the road as well. But the numbers are always like even more than than I feel like your average team, your average good team in the NBA. Is it like the fans? Would you say that the fans are like a big factor in why the Sixers are that much better at home? Um, I don't, I mean, I guess I should say, yeah, but I don't actually think so. I think it's just <laughs> that they're used to it. And maybe more than making the Sixers play better, maybe the Philly fans make other teams like play worse uh, there's mm. been even last night and at the like listening this is a Phillies thing but people still all like to talk about Philly fans like it's like this thing that's in the back of everyone's head about how we're the worst I don't really know I think we're <laughs> the best um I mean I do I love a KD sucks chant when he's not even playing at the end <laughs> of the game I do I, I can't I lie about saying. it I thought I did that there were like, like Brooklyn fans there that were saying Embiid sucks. I don't understand. That's what I thought too. No, yeah, I don't. I, I do would not be that many though. Brooklyn fans there. There aren't. There's no such thing as Brooklyn fans. Ooh, that's probably. 
But like, why would you? Why would you chant that he sucks when he obviously doesn't? Like, say it to a worse player, or say something well, else about because... him. But he definitely doesn't suck. <laughs> the best ability is availability, Dan, and he was not uh, playing last night. All right, you got me there. <laughs> Meanwhile, speaking of the best abilities, availability, ESPN just did a, a poll of the media. Oh, and yeah. I know, Joe, it was like 90 first place MVP votes for Jokic and, and then five for Embiid. So he's got an uphill battle. But I really feel like if, if he's going to make a run at this, he has uh, – this is a seven-game stretch. So he has five more games that are all on – national TV against good teams. So, if you know, any time to make a statement, it will be now. Uh, you know, I, I think if Jokic plays every game from here on out and continues to play as well as he's played, it's probably out of his hands. But I would love to see it happen. Um, recently, uh, in, in, we talked about Simmons' quotes before and how he's our dad's. Um, he also was talking about the Defensive Player of the Year award. And uh, the Utah fans have been upset about this. Joe, uh, ben basically said that he guards the best player on the floor uh, every night, which definitely is true. And he said that Gobert doesn't do that. And he, he you know, is not versatile. And Ben said, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I went to Utah. I played there. Rudy guarded me, you know. And then he sort of shrugged his shro- shoulders. And Rachel Nichols said, how'd that go? And Ben was like, I, know, I had 42 points. No big deal. And then he goes, and apparently I'm not even a scorer. And I, I sort of think it's funny that, you know, like <laughs> he's not really, you know, I, I wish that he scored a little bit more. And um, what do you guys think is happening with the defensive player of the year narrative right now? Do you think Simmons has a real chance at this? People have been talking a lot about how the statistics for defensive player of the year are tough to like track because it's hard to quantify perimeter defense. Uh, and it's very easy to do that with rim defense, like like uh, Gobert. And it's also hard to have the impact of a great rim protector if you're a wing guy. Dan, what do you think about the quotes, and where do you think that race stands today? Yeah, I mean, it's I love any quotes that are going to make the Jazz fans mad. So I thought, <laughs> um, I think that I don't know where where he stands. I mean, Gobert may just win again. I think the narrative is probably helping him, honestly. Um, yeah. Because and and Ben's an extremely talented defender. He might be the most talented perimeter defender in the NBA. Could be Matisse. I don't know. We have a couple of great defenders on our team. Um, but I do think Ben. It's not like you know if you're going to give it to a perimeter guy after acknowledging how hard that is to to be that impactful. I'm not fully convinced that that this year's Ben is that guy. Like is he this mm. much better than he's been in years past? He, is he bringing it every single night? I mean, definitely certain matchups, like he's dominated Luka, and he's played really good defense for the most part, but he's had a few nights where, you know, he took, he took the night off. Is that too much? No, no, I don't want to say he took the night off. That's that's. I know what of, you mean. You know what I mean, where yeah. he was not as good as he had been um, in other games defensively. Um, I would love to see him get it. Um, I don't know if, if he's necessarily, you know, at the point where he – should be the perimeter guy to finally win it again, although I, I think he could be. But I think the narrative is probably helping him. The, the A lot of guys around the league really like Ben. Um, I think that, you know, one moment that stands out was the um, all-star draft when I think LeBron took Ben and KD was like, oh, that was my pick. Right. right. And it was like early, early on. So, you know, it's, it's, it's telling that these guys, like, you know, want to play with Ben. And I think that, 
the fact that his counting numbers are so unimpressive, like not even just offensively. Like, I mean, his steals and blocks aren't, you know, amazing, although his defensive metrics are very good. But, you know, that he's, you know, this coveted by the top players in the league, even though he's averaging under 15 points, even though he's only averaging seven assists, even though he's only averaging under eight rebounds, right, is is kind of sending the message that his defense is that good. His defense is that good. You know, guys still want him, even though he's only putting up these numbers. And he's doing all the little things on defense. I think that's the narrative. And he, he probably deserves that narrative that, you know, his defense is that good. So I think that, you know, whether or not he is the the perimeter player that should finally get there, I think the narrative is probably in his favor right now. Yeah, you know, it seems, you know, the Jazz fans are saying in a sort of funny and... um uh, warped way that they don't like how Ben is campaigning for himself. And, and he really is answering questions when people ask him about this stuff. Um, but also, I think that that is part of you. The NBA at large, I think, wants you to want the award. Um, so they don't want you to just be totally sort of noncommittal about it. Two things that might help Ben. Uh, one is a bit of voter fatigue for uh, Gobert, who I believe has won it twice, not last year, but in general, he's won it twice. Um, and he's also been – Gobert has been defensively exposed a bit in the playoffs when, when smaller guards would get him on a switch and go after him. Um, and also Ben's willingness to actually guard the best perimeter player on the other team, regardless of position, every night is very real. You know, like we've seen games where Ben can get lit up because he does guard those guys. Uh, but for me, that's usually just because of – that's how good those guys are at offense. Um, and – the willingness to ch- to take on those assignments is not something that you usually see with somebody like Giannis, and it's not something that we've seen from LeBron in a really long time. And uh, I think that's a big deal, and, and it's certainly a big deal for the Sixers as his offense can wane and go up and down, but his defensive motor for me has been uh, really there, and so has his willingness. Um, Emily, what do you think about the defensive player of the year race? Uh, I, I imagine if you had a vote, you'd give it to Ben, but what do you think the the league is is thinking at this point in terms of the race? I I mean I would give it to Ben. It is interesting because there's been so much talk about the MVP race and I guess I mean that is much more exciting than defensive player of the year, but like I don't really have any like finger on the pulse of like what the media is thinking in regards to defensive player of the year outside of like Bill Simmons because I occasionally like listen to his podcast. Uh, um so like although I'm pretty sure he said he wants Ben not that anyone cares but so like I don't know but I think you know the fact that Ben does guard the best player on every team like I I don't watch a lot of jazz games but like Ben did put a clinic on with Rudy Gobert like is Rudy Gobert that dominant like I guess the jazz are good but like they're the jazz and no one cares and Rudy Gobert brought COVID to the NBA so like let's not give him an award (laughs) So right now, um, Rudy is the favorite, according to DraftKings. So Rudy is a pretty strong favorite, actually. He's minus 335, and Ben is next at plus 230. So um, I don't, you know, I'm sure that there's a good amount of narratives priced into this market. So maybe maybe we shouldn't get our hopes up too high for this one. Although I'm going to say one thing, though, about yeah. something Steve said. Um which is that the Jazz fans were mad that Ben is, like, campaigning, which, I mean, I agree. He was basically just answering questions. He wasn't really campaigning. I'm sure he thinks he should win. That doesn't really make him campaigning. But 
you know, they won't shut up on the internet about, you know, how much they love their two guys who one of them with this, you know, wore the rookie, the rookie sweatshirts and had the, the rookie bust when Ben was winning rookie of the year and was trying to redefine the, the, the word. And it was unbelievable. Pathetic. And that was campaigning. And not that this is campaigning, but like they're saying, oh, guys to care too much about awards or something like only we should care about awards. The players shouldn't. But like they're also their other favorite player is the guy who cried when he missed the All-Star game, which right. like I get it. I get liking, you know, I get, you know, badly wanting that kind of thing. I'm not judging him for it. But like that's your guy who is caring about these kind of accolades. So I don't even want to hear it about Ben. And he said that kids growing up would see his omission from the All-Star game and stop playing defense. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have all the data back on that yet. I'm not sure that that's happened. Um, the, the, I really wish that we were doing this podcast when Donovan Mitchell was was trying to get Simmons to, disqualified because he just thing. like was he was admitting with his sweatshirts and with his Vans that Ben is better than him. But yes. hang on, he was hurt. He broke his foot last year, which is a tremendous advantage. And he should be barred from this content. Like, that was just such like, a ridiculous campaign. Driving me crazy. Um, the last thing we should get to before we get out of here is that the Sixers' next game on Friday night uh, is a showdown with the L.A. Clippers. Um, I'd love to know. The last time the Sixers played the Clippers, the Clippers won. Joel Embiid was out. Not, not much that you can take from that. But, of course, they have uh, Kawhi and Paul George, who I believe will be playing uh, on Friday night. The game is home in Philadelphia. Um, what do you guys think about the matchup? Um, obviously a big test for their wing defense and, um, lots of storylines. We've got Doc and Teron Lou and Doc and Paul George and Paul George and Seth Curry and all the rest of it. Uh, Emily, what do you think about this matchup, uh, the drama and the basketball? I'm pretty excited for this game. Um, I did pick the Sixers to lose this game. I would be extremely happy to be wrong. Um, I, think the Clippers are good so Mm -hmm. I don't some people might disagree um they've been playing well recently if Paul George and Kawhi play Kawhi still gives me like a nervous tick and I he he gets to me and I think I don't like to play him in games so I'm here for the drama I hope like there's some type of feisty situation I hope like Seth Curry is a little fired up to play I hope Doc wants to beat Paul George and his old team. Um, I'm sure the media is going to make a lot out of that storyline over the tomorrow morning. And um, I'm excited for a good game, hopefully. Yeah, I do. Uh, Harrison Grimm is the MVP of this podcast. He just put in the chat <laughs> that Kawhi is listed as questionable for the Clippers I would game, love so. that. That would be great. It would make it <laughs> more enjoyable for me. Um, yeah, so as, as we talk about it, I guess we'll just assume that he's playing, and if he's not, then uh, we'll, we'll adjust as we go. Dan, what do you think about the matchup with the Clippers on Friday night? Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, I did pick the Sixers to win this one. I think, you know, this could be a good, tough win, but we'll, you know, either way, it'll be a fun, uh, you know, a fun Friday night game on ESPN, which is basically all you can ask for. Um, I hope Kawhi had a ton of real tests this year, which is not a Sixers specific thing, and it's not the Sixers' fault. No one really has like the Sixers, you know, haven't played the Heat in forever. Back that was back when Jimmy was out, and 
Well, I, I definitely think they're better than the Celtics, but they only played in one game with Tatum, I believe. Um, and and the, that kind of list goes on. They haven't played the the Nets at full strength, and they they had a the, you know the best games were against the West, which this one is too. But the, the Lakers and Jazz games obviously stand out. Um, I think a lot of teams are facing that kind of thing where they haven't you know faced any kind of incredible competition consistently this year. But I still want to see it. Like not even that it, that it matters too much if they win. I'm, I'm not saying this has to be like. You know, this singular game is like a huge measuring stick or anything. I just want to see good basketball. I think the Sixers are a really good team, and so are the Clippers. I hope Kawhi plays. I hope it's close. I hope it comes down to the end. There haven't been enough of those. Um, they've been going our, in our direction, which is nice. I, I mean, I don't get upset when the Sixers blow someone one out, but I could, I could really go for a nice close game with two really good teams. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think that it'll be a good one. Uh, there are a lot of fun matchups in that, and and I'm interested to see how the Sixers handle that doc obviously knows their personnel very well. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, how Joel plays against them without, you know, they don't have a great, you know, stopper at center. Um, I think it's Zubats who'll be playing there and, and we'll see how they counteract that. Um, I'm looking at the Sixers schedule. Uh, they, ha- they're in this tough stretch. That's all on national TV. They have uh, the Clippers on Friday, the Warriors at home on Monday, the Suns at home on Wednesday, and then two road games in Milwaukee, uh, Thursday the 22nd, Saturday the 24th. The big question to me is when, if ever, is George Hill going to play for the Sixers? Uh, Nobody seems to know, but he's shooting around uh, before the games uh, where everybody can see him. My guess is that he's going to play. uh, His first game will be a home game. That generally seems like – the way they want to do that. Anthony Tolliver seems like he's still in bubble wrap until the playoffs. They want to protect him. I get it. Um, let me set the over-under at Wednesday, April 21st, at home against Phoenix. Do we see George Hill before or after that game? Uh, the winner gets their last name either changed back from Canel or changed to Canel. Uh, Dan, what would you say? <laughs> Uh, when it comes to when a Sixer is going to come back, I'll always take the overs. So I'll <laughs> back by then. Okay. Um, what about you, uh, Emily? What do you say? I guess by default, I have to take the under, right? To make it a fun bet. Well, and let me ask you this. Can I push and say it's exactly at the Phoenix game? Is that allowed? Sure. Yeah. Well, we will see how many canals we have this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, we'll be back with another, another episode. Gastro Blues, we have another fun guest coming on, uh, Sunday, or we'll record on Sunday. You'll get the episode on Monday. Uh, another Philadelphia person. And that's, I guess, all we'll say for now. But, uh, very excited for that. It's great to talk to you both. Uh, Emily, it's so good to have you back. And congratulations to you guys, uh, on a really wonderful thing. Thanks. Happy Congrats. to be back. I and... missed everyone. And I couldn't even watch the game during my wedding. I had grand plans of taking a picture, watching the game in my wedding dress, and they had direct TV, and I couldn't get the game. But you didn't miss it. The Sixers lost on your wedding day, which is something, if I were you, I'd never forgive them for. I think it's like rain on your wedding day. Like, I think it's good luck, maybe. (laughs) Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. Good luck. Maybe they'll never lose again. That would be cool. I would take it. 
I had good to talking to you guys. Oh, go ahead. Like, what would you say? Well, I said to Steve before the wedding, and I was like, I don't really know how weddings work. What, at what point are they married? <laughs> like, are Your they commentary on the wedding was so funny. The, I, the veil that you didn't know what a veil was, that was very endearing. Um, it was just, I just, it was like cackling listening to it. it oh, great. and there were, there were roosters or chickens around. Um, there were. We were. My friend got we were, their eggs and cooked them. It was like very wholesome content. It was great. And at the end, you came over and, and said hi to the camera. And we said that you were telling people to subscribe to the podcast. It was a lot of fun. That is what I was saying. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, well, one more thing, you know, Instead of reading what Harrison is writing in the chat, we could just have somebody who knows anything host the podcast. But I figure we'll keep going this way. Uh, Harrison said that they mentioned briefly on the broadcast during last night's game that George Hill might play at the end of this week, which would uh, be big. The end of this week would be Friday against the Clippers. That would be big for Emily and uh, not great news for Dan and me. Great. Good times. Good to talk to you both. We will be with you again on Monday. And uh, take care, everybody. Yeah. Bye. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today